Well, we've seen that a couple of weeks, and that's where we all want to live, in the win and the celebration and the good life. Amen. And that's what this whole series is about. Once we say yes to Christ, it's about building our life from the ground up. And just like an athlete becomes more skillful in basics, and the more skillful an athlete becomes in the basics, the more that they win. It's like that in our Christian life. There are some principles that we need to know from the Word of God. And the more skillful that we can become in building our life, exercising these principles, the more that we will enjoy the good life that Jesus came to bring. Amen? But before I go into the message today, I just wanted to take just a second this morning and just kind of share something from my heart. Um, I just want to share how grateful I am for the staff at Family Life Church and the events team, the Shine Events women, for all of the women that came Thursday night to uh, the event, even for the men that came to serve at the event. Um, I'm not sure if you follow social media or if you're aware, but this past Thursday we had an awesome women's event and we launched my first book, which is called Yes, You Can Have a Baby. It's the total story of the promise keeper that we sang about this morning. And um, while I wrote the story to encourage the 6 million women in America currently that have been told they couldn't have a baby, that there's another story that could be theirs by the promises of God. This book is actually about how to get any promise, how to connect the dots to any promise you're believing for, how to get from point A to point B. And so that's what the book is about. But I just wanted to share, um, I'm not sure if you know, but we launched that book on Thursday. And by midnight, around midnight on Thursday, it became an a number one Amazon bestseller. What? I know. And so I give glory to God for that. You know, it was a goal of mine to try and, to try and get that number one Amazon bestseller, um, not for us, but for God's glory, right? So it can give the book more validation and more people can read who God is because he is a miracle worker and a promise keeper, even in the face of impossibility. And so, you know, we talk so much about having faith friends here at Family Life Church. And you really don't realize how much you need faith friends until you are in a situation that is very difficult to navigate or you're in a situation where you have something big to celebrate. And this Thursday for me was a big moment. It was a big celebration moment. I am grateful for the faith friends of this church family. Some I've had for a long time, some I've had just that are new. And um, it, it was just tremendous for me on Thursday. I couldn't even go to bed until Friday at like 3.30 in the morning. I was like, just kept going, oh my word, like, God, thank you. This is awesome. But that's one of the wins that we're talking about. And, you know, it doesn't just mysteriously happen. There are certain principles and processes in the word that we can build into our lives and live those things. And we experience more and more of the good life. So from me this morning, just a heartfelt thank you to this church family and to our faith friends and women of the, of the church family, thank you so much. So are you ready to get into the word now? Okay, awesome. So uh, we have spent the last few weeks building our lives from the grounds up. We've talked about how good God is. We've talked about how we've been, we've been adopted into his family and what that means. We talked how we build unapologetically on the word of God. And we are, man, we, we are unapologetic about the fact that God's word is our foundation. 
We talked about the force of faith and how it's like this internal muscle on the inside of us that drives us to God and to his promises. We're no longer supposed to walk by only what we see and feel, but we walk by faith. Last week, we talked about the secret sauce to love our life and see good days. And I hope that some of you, I've, I've been in conversations and some of you are like, hey, man, we had to t- make some tweaks this week based on that secret sauce of how we're speaking and matching our, our words to God's word. And today I'm excited to share this. Um, this actually, of all the ones we've shared, they're all powerful basics. This one, the more that we live, especially in our culture today, I think is one of the most critical pieces of the foundation that you can build into your life after you say yes to Jesus. In fact, it's so critical and essential that if we don't um, have this, this principle and this understanding as part of our foundation, it's dangerous for us. We can actually get off track in our Christian life. We can actually live our whole life and miss the whole point. We can, we can live our whole life and not live in purpose. We can actually turn really selfish. Our hearts can actually be turned from God if this doesn't become part of our foundation. And so um, this, what I'm going to share with you today is a critical piece. So I hope you're paying attention this morning. It can be wrapped up in just one word, and it's the word eternity. This is not all that there is. Eternity has to become a part of our foundation so, you know, as we talked the first couple of weeks about the goodness of God, we, were, we all just came up in some real, I think, revelation of how much God really loves us. He's so good. And how Jesus paid such a tremendous price. And when we get a revelation and we taste and see the love of God personally, it gives us such confidence to walk in the love of God. You know, when we get that confidence about the love of God, we can start building our foundation and, you know, when we understand that God went to such great lengths to rescue us and to adopt us and to give us the whole kingdom, it just builds such a, an appreciation and confidence in our, in our lives. We're secure in the love of God. And we become secure that God is who he says he is. He doesn't lie. He's honest. And he is who he says he is. We become secure in that. And we become secure in the fact that we are who he says we are. He loves us. And he's opened up the whole kingdom for us. And we become secure in the fact that when we go through things in life, that God is only good. And that we don't have to wonder and think that God might be trying to punish us or do these things. No, God is only good. And we become secure in the fact that if we are going through things, that God is not going to leave us in jeopardy because he's good. He loves us. And so we started to build, you know, the foundation on the fact that God loves us. And the longer that we pastor, the more we understand that unless you and I have a very personal understanding of God's love, it's going to be really hard to develop as a believer because we're, we're wishy-washy and we don't really know the truth. But when we are secure in the fact that God loves us, not just the surface words, but the real true fact that he looked past everything and he came after you and he came after me and he loves us, gives us confidence. And, you know, the longer we pastor, the more I'm starting to understand that there is another piece of this. There's the love of God that has to be part of our foundation, but equally as important as the love of God, and this is where eternity comes in, it brings some fear of God in us. And the fear of God is a very necessary component of our foundation. 
You see, the fear of God helps us to understand that even though God loves us and that he went to great lengths for us and has given us the kingdom, we can't act like a two-year-old brat demanding everything from God because he's God. There's a fear of God. The fact that he created the planets, that he is God, and that the very breath that we breathe, the very heartbeat that we have is because of him, right? And when we understand the fear of God, we understand that, you know, he does love us and he also has expectations. He expects us to become more like Jesus. He expects us to read the word of God that he's preserved for thousands of years, to understand who he is. He expects us to use the things he's placed in our life for the good of others and for the advancement of his cause, not just what we have going on, but his cause. And see, the thing is, if there's a vulnerability of our understanding and the love of God or the fear of God, it's really going to be difficult for us to live our lives. If, If we don't If we just stay just in the pocket of the love of God and we don't understand that the fear of God is equally important, then our foundation is going to be vulnerable. And if we try to build our life and put any weight without the fear of God, then our life is vulnerable, okay? And our life is subject to attack. See, the Bible says in John 10 and 10 that the thief does come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, And we have to understand that if we don't take the time to to build the principles of God into our life and to build our life on the truth, that we are going to be subject to attack and that we are not going to have a lot of wins in our Christian life if we do not take the time to understand. There, I'm just going to clear it like that. If we don't take the time to understand some of the basics, some of the basics. So let's turn to somebody and say eternity. Say the fear of God. The fear of God and the love of God are both essential to your foundation. So there are four truths today that I want to talk about. We've talked about the goodness of God and the love of God for a few weeks, and today we're going to focus on the fear of God. Is that okay with you? No, it might feel a little bit heavy on the first Sunday in June, but this is the deal. When you think about eternity, it's going to stir some fear of God in you. And we love you enough, church family, that I would so much rather you squirm sitting in this seat in an air-conditioned building than squirm when you face Jesus because you're unprepared. All right? So let's dig into the Word today. There are four main things I want to talk about. The first point is this. This isn't all that there is. This is not all there is. James chapter 4 says, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So happy Sunday. <laughs> Did you come to church today to, to hear that your life is just a vapor and that soon it will pass away? Well, Psalms gives us a little more hope. It says it like this. Man is like a mere breath. His days are like a passing shadow. It's like a vapor, like a breath. In the light of the big picture, of all of eternity, the life that we're living now, this physical life in the physical body with the physical surroundings that we have now, it's just a breath according to the word of God. And this has to be part of how we're building our life. We have to understand that this life is quick and there's a bigger picture. And I'm fully aware that this is a sobering thing to think about on Sunday morning. 
But again, we love you and we want you to be prepared. We want you to have a solid life, building truth from a foundation that is strong. You know, when we had our babies and they came into the world, the first couple of months, it was like they were in this bubble of love. All they received was love, 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 love and food and comfort, love and food and comfort, changing their diapers, keeping them comfortable, keeping their belly full, love, love, love. That's what a good parent does, establishes love. And then as they grew a little bit, there were a few expectations that they had to learn, right? Not only did we just pour love on them and establish that love and that confidence in the fact that we love them, but then we started to establish a little bit of the fear of mom and dad in them. <laughs> like, hey, you need to do this or there's going to be a consequence. But you know that it's the love of a parent and the healthy fear of a parent that actually causes a child to mature and to take responsibility and to meet expectations and then to continue the process. Was well, like that in the, in the kingdom of God too. See, a lot of people think that as believers, we are saved and then we just live in this bubble of love and grace and it's just so oozy and comfy. And God does love us forever unconditionally. And we have to understand that there's some fear that we have to develop because he also has expectations for our lives, right? He has expectations for us. And this is the thing. This is not a doomsday message for us that we're going to stand before Jesus and have to give account for, for his expectations. This isn't a doomsday expectation or this isn't a doomsday message. This is like an awesome message. Aren't you glad that you're in a place that you can hear truth about this? Aren't you glad that you're not going to enter eternity and have no idea that you have to give account for your life? Yeah, well, if you're breathing, it's good news today. It's good news that we can take some truth and we can work on building it into our lives in a greater way to come up and to mature in God and to be pleasing to God. So this is not all there is. Point two is that as we build our lives from the ground up, we are instructed to live ready. We're instructed to live ready. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be, and be clear-headed. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Now, it's been several, several months since we've done a series that included some things about the end time, but the Bible tells us that these things are very real. Jesus coming back again is real. The rapture is real. The battle of Armageddon is going to happen, right? Um, the millennial reign will happen. The great white throne judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, those things happen. The lake of fire is real. Now, the lake of fire was created for the devil and his angels, but those who do not choose Jesus will find themselves there for eternity. And those things are real. And I know that, you know, all of us right now are feeling, can we just go back and talk about the love of God and like the whole adoption thing, like where I can walk up to the fridge and take out whatever I need. It's so much better to talk about that. And I know, I agree. But we have to understand there are expectations that God has. 
and if we are, if we don't feel like we are, well, the Bible says, what, what was it in verse, in verse uh, Thessalonians 5, 4, you aren't in the dark about these things. You may be saying, I feel like I'm pretty much in the dark about these things. Well, there's good news. Read the Bible. Isn't that awesome? That's all you got to do. And you have it everywhere all the time if you have a smartphone. See, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation and other places in Scripture what we can expect so we are not in the dark. And we have to understand the longer that we pastor people, we are convinced unless this becomes part of our filter as a believer, we get off track, we live without purpose, we get selfish, we just live in the very menial things that have no consequence, no, they have no value for eternity. But God says, not us, no, we're people of the day. We're not, we're not in the dark about this. Let's be clear-headed. Let's be sober. Let's pay attention, right? You know, I've shared um, this before, but while I was growing up, I lived in the Dallas area. And actually, this, what I'm teaching you now, has been a part of my life since I was really little because I was in church on Sunday nights, and they would talk about the rapture. And the rapture became a very reality to me, like from first grade, probably on. So much so that when I would want to, when my flesh would want to make a choice that was wrong or sinful, I would be like, no, I don't want to miss the rapture. I'm not going to lie, you know, but that's the filter, right? That's why we have to build this stuff into our foundation. When my parents weren't home and I got home, I was like, oh man, did the rapture happen? Like, oh, I hope I didn't miss it. It was a part of my foundation. So I would stand in line after church service and we lived in the Dallas area and we went to the cafeteria and in Dallas, the lines are so long. It's not like Marion, long line. So I'm standing in line for a long time. My heart and my palate focused on red jello square with a dollop of whipped cream on the top. And I would always see this picture or one like it. They're going to bring it up. This picture in the cafeteria where we used to go eat. This is a painting of the rapture as best as someone could design it. The, the scripture where it says Jesus is going to come on the clouds when the trumpet sounds and people will be taken. Two, two people will be in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. We'll meet Christ in the air. And I would wa- look at this picture, and I'm telling you, this picture became an impression for me along with the truth that I heard. It became part of the filter for my life. And I'm so grateful because it kept me, it kept me on track. Now, I wasn't perfect But man, I'm telling you, this foundation of knowing that this isn't all there is and that I will have to give an account in eternity and I'm going to face Jesus, it became a part of my life from the time I was young and it helped me stay the course for the things of God. So if you feel like you're in the dark today, I encourage you, don't be in the dark. Get equipped. Read the word. Read what to expect because Jesus wrote, you know, this word was written for us so that we could be fully prepared when we stand before Christ and not unaware and not ashamed and not full of regret. I, cer- I certainly don't want to have regrets when I stand before God. I don't want you to have regrets when you stand before God. So let's get equipped. The Bible says to be on your guard, not asleep like everyone else, but stay alert and clear-headed. So point three today is this that we will all give an account for our lives. We'll all give an account for our lives. 2 Corinthians 5 says, We are constantly ambitious and strive earnestly to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, 
so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive has been and what he has achieved, what he's been busy with, given himself and his attention to accomplishing. So if you're like me, when I've read this scripture, it stirs up the fear of God in me that I am going to stand before Christ and have to give an account of my motives, of what I've done, whether it's good for his kingdom, for his purpose, or whether it's selfish and whether it's bad, I am going to give an account for what I've been busy with, what I'm giving my attention to, and what's driving me, what my motives are. I'm giving account to Christ for that. It's good for us to remind ourselves. So as believers today, let's kind of shake ourselves and be like, oh man, okay, probably only like 15 more minutes and then we're out. We don't have to think about this anymore. No, it is good for us to remind ourselves that this is coming. It is good for us to stir up ourselves and to let the fear of God be established as a foundation in our life. Has God saved you? Has he picked you up from a place and brought you to a better place? Has he put gifts and talents on the inside of you? Has he opened up his good kingdom to you where you lack nothing? Has he filled you with his spirit and his power to accomplish his work on the earth? The answer to all of those questions is yes. They're not rhetorical questions. They're yes. And we're accountable to do something with all of that. Now, if you have just received Jesus and you're in that infant stage as a little baby, you are in the love of God. If you've been walking with Jesus for any time, you're still in the love of God. And there are expectations for us. You might feel like you're a toddler in Christ. You might feel like you're somewhere in the grade school level. Maybe you're a teenager and you're trying to be all rebellious with God right now. Stop it. Maybe you've been walking with Christ for decades. What are we doing? What is our purpose? What is our drive? What is our motivation? Are we counting the cost? Are we alert? Are we clear-headed? Are we paying attention to what we're doing? So when we stand before Christ, we have no, no regrets. You know, have you ever taken a young kid's, little kid's bowling before? Ever taken them bowling? Well, they have these things called bumpers, Right? And if you want to complete the game at all <laughs> with a toddler or a young kid, you want to you bowl with bumpers. See, what bumpers do is you set the bumpers that look similar to this into the gutters so that when they throw the ball, they bump along the side of the bumpers and eventually maybe get to the pins to knock them down. But if you don't have the bumpers, gutter, 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 zero pins usually being knocked down, okay? So in our life, I wanted to show you this again. The love of God is like a bumper in our life. You know, there is nothing you can do to have to convince God or to persuade God to love you more than he does. You will never be able to convince God to love you any more than he does. You can't convince God to love you any less than he does. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, to make God love you less. That's a bumper for our life. The Bible says that he will, you are never, ever, ever, ever going to be separated from his love. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you when you, mess, when you mess up. He loves you when you do great. He loves you when you ignore him. He loves you. That's a bumper for our lives. And what this bumper does is it builds confidence in us that we're loved. We're loved. We're free. There's grace. There's grace for mistakes. We're loved by God. Such confidence. 
But you know, when you're playing bowling with your kids, you need more than one bumper because there's a gutter on the other side. And the gutter on the other side for us as believers is the fear of God. See, the fear of God keeps us in this pocket where we know, God, I want to stay close to you. I don't want to get all messed up because I'm loved and I'm free, thinking I can just live however I want to live. God, I want to stay close to you. I want to stay in the pocket where I know you, where I hear your heartbeat, where I can hear you speak to me, where you can let me know about my future. God, I want to stay close to you in this pocket. See, what the fear of God does is it helps us understand there are expectations for our life. And even though we live in grace and we live in love, we cannot just live how we want to live. That is not what believers do. We follow Jesus. There's an expectation in our life to become more like Jesus. To become like Jesus? Yes, to be like Jesus. Well, how do you do that? You read the word of God and you do what it says. In fact, the Bible says the people that love me are the ones who do what I say. You can't even say that you love God if you don't obey the word. That's just the Bible. The Bible says if you don't obey, you don't love me. The fear of God is this other bumper on the other side. So when we feel condemned, we go over here and we're like, no, I'm not walking in condemnation. I'm loved by God. And then when we feel like, oh, God, I got it. I don't need you. Oh, wait a minute. There's the little bit of the fear of God. I do need you, God. I'm in this pocket. I know you have expectations for my life. And it keeps us living with purpose, seeking God, seeking the things of God, not getting off track, not getting in the gutter of our life, able to live the way he designed us to to live. See, the thing is, we can't, we can't do anything for God to love us more or less. Bumper love. But we are completely in control of how we will enter eternity and give account for our lives. Bumper fear of God. I say it again. The bumper of love helps us be confident. There's nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God. But the bumper of the fear of God says that we are in complete control of how it will go down when we stand before Jesus. If the fear of God is built into our life, we will live life with purpose. We will seek his face. We will keep maturing in him. We will keep growing. We won't settle into this real casual, oh, I got it. I'm, you know, God knows I love him. I can live how I want to live. A lot of people who call themselves Christians, that's kind of their lifestyle. I don't know that the Bible looks on that very, uh, I don't even know the right word. The fear of God. The fear of God keeps us in the pocket. Love of God. The fear of God. So point four today. Only what we do in obedience to the word and to build his kingdom will matter for eternity. Only what we do in obedience to the word and for the kingdom will matter for eternity. First Corinthians says, you are God's building. So let each man be careful how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. But if anyone builds upon the foundation, whether it be with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, the work of each one will become plainly, openly known and shown for what it is. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test and critically appraise the character and the worth of the work each person has done. If the work which any person has built on this foundation 
any product of his efforts, whatever, survives this test, he'll get a reward. But if any person's work is burned up under the test, he'll suffer the loss of it all, losing his reward, though he may himself be saved, but only like one who passes through the fire. Now, I wanted you to pay attention to verse 13. It says, the work of everybody will become plainly known. It'll be declared and disclosed and plainly known how we've lived this life. You know, the Bible says that there's this constant battle with all of us. Our biggest fight as believers is not with the devil. Our biggest fight with believers is with our own self. It's with our flesh. The Bible says it's flesh versus spirit. Flesh. We want to do things our way. We want to be comfortable. We are selfish. That's just the human nature. But the spirit has another way to live. The spirit wants us to walk according to God's word, to God's character, to God's plan. And there's this constant battle in small decisions, in the big decisions of life, in the everyday things that nobody sees. There's this battle between our spirit and our flesh. And the Bible says that depending on how that we come out with this battle is how we're going to be rewarded. See, there are two main areas that you are going to be, you and I, I believe, are going to be judged on. The first one is our individual lives, how we actually built our life. Meaning, did I progressively become more like Jesus? You know, in all of the messages and podcasts and availability of uh, preaching today, it's pretty rare that you hear the message, are you becoming more like Jesus? Yes, we love to hear about the favor of God. Yes, we love to hear that we're adopted by him. Yes, we love to hear about his blessings, about faith, about the secret sauce of life. However, when we stand before Jesus, our number one thing is that he's going to reveal and reward us according to what our individual progress has been in life. Are we falling in love with Jesus? Are we obeying his word? Are we becoming more like him? How did we cooperate with him? How do we do that? Well, that's things like time spent in his word where we break open the Bible and actually spend time reading what God says and let it read us. And then we make adjustments when we see things in the word. Oh, I have to forgive that person? I don't feel like it. That's flesh. But the Bible tells me I need to. That's spirit. We have a choice to make. We either yield to our flesh or yield to our spirit. And the more that we yield to our spirit, this is what the Bible's saying. That's what you're rewarded for. You're rewarded for how you love, how you do good works, how you pay attention to the spirit. You know, so spending time in the word of God, I believe that you're going to be rewarded those times that nobody sees when you're in private conversation with God and you're pouring your heart out to him and you're surrendering to him. God, I want to be more like you. God, I I don't want to be selfish. I want to live. I want to declare your goodness. I want to reach people. Help me to, to know how to use my gifts to rescue people. I believe it's those things that, you know, the individual part is the things that nobody sees, but God sees it all. And he says he will reward us according to what we've done. As individuals, this is another huge one for us and one that we are so passionate about. I believe that we as parents will be rewarded for how we're impressing the hearts of our kids. Are we impressing into the hearts of our kids the love of God? Not just the surface story, but are we making sure that our kids are in a place that they're taught, that we are teaching them 
that God loves them? Are we impressing into our kids the fear of God, the fact that God expects something from them? Are we impressing these things, godly things, into the hearts of our kids, making sure that they're in a place around people of faith in the body of Christ? Or are we just busy filling their life with things that have no value for eternity? Parents, we have to wake up and be clear-headed and be sober-minded that there is so much at stake, especially today in the lives of our kids. And as we make the small choices that sometimes are not popular with other people when it, where it uh, concerns our very own flesh and blood kids, when we make those choices according to the word of God, I believe God's pleased and he'll reward us. The second thing I believe that we'll be rewarded it, uh, about is first is our individual lives. Second is what we did to further the cause of Christ what we did to come alongside and be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. You see, in our era which we live, the Bible says that the church is God's agenda. Jesus calls the church, the people, his bride. He loves the church. Jesus loves the church. He gave himself up for the church. He's coming back to, for the church. He calls the church his bride. What are we doing to partner with God in the cause of the church, to further the cause of Christ, to further the good news of Christ. The gifts and the talents and the special things that God has placed in your life, the knowledge, the abilities, the connections, the network that you've been given, that God's blessed you with. How are you using that for his agenda? Are we, are we spending our lives just going to work, making money, coming back, you know, watching TV, doing laundry, mowing the lawn? Yeah, we have all kinds of responsibilities. But what are we doing to partner with God to make his agenda happen in this region? God loves the church. We're going to be rewarded for how we came along and helped build the church. You know, if you give financially to Family Life Church, if you serve in any area here, I completely believe that you have a reward and I have a reward for every single person that says yes to Jesus. If you partner with this church family, you'll everybody that gives their life to Jesus here, you, that will be part of your reward. Everyone that whether their families might be rescued or they're coming up in the truth and the power of God, we all have a part in that. But let's be sober and clear-headed to use who we are in this season, the fullness of who we are, whatever season of life you're in, the fullness of who you are for the cause of Christ. Because he says we'll be rewarded for that. You know, we say over and over, engage, engage in Family Life Church, go to growth track, be part of a team. And there's a reason why. It's not just because we're trying to build a team. It's because it affects you for eternity. The cause of Christ, rescuing people, helping people, sharing the good news. Those are the things that are valuable for eternity. And we can all play a part in that. You know, again, we love you so much. And we want these basic truths to help build your life in a way that your foundation is not vulnerable, that you're not vulnerable to attack and being deceived by the enemy to take you out. The love of God and the fear of God are two things that we use to build our life from the ground up. We can learn to love what God loves and hate what he hates, to be about his business, to be about his cause. I'm going to end with this scripture in 1 John. It says, now children, stay with Christ. Live deeply in Christ. Then we'll be ready for him when he appears, ready to receive him with open arms, with no cause for red-faced guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. You know, a message like today causes all of us 
to examine. And you may be here today and you may say, I'm not right with God and I need to get right with Jesus. I need to ask Jesus into my life. You may be here today and you may have been a Christian for a long time, but you know, like I'm living way too casually and I need to let the fear of God build in my life and become some of the motive for how I live. So today we want to give everybody, whether you're here on the campus, whether you're watching online, we want to give you an opportunity to connect to Jesus, not just on the surface, but a real connection to the spirit of God. So as we all bow our heads for just a minute, I'm going to ask you if you're in here today and you say, I want to pray today and say, God, come into my life and forgive my sins. If that's you, raise your hand right now. We're all going to pray together in just a moment. If you're in here today and you might say, you know what? I've asked God into my life before, but I am not living right. I want you to raise your hand if you want to reconnect to him and pray that powerful prayer of saying, God, forgive me for being casual. I want to connect. Thank you so much for those hands. I see them, but more importantly, God sees them. If you're online, you're part of this too. We want you to connect to God in a way that is life-changing for you. The last thing we want is for anybody that is under the influence of Family Life Church to go into eternity not ready. So again, as we close out, anybody else that desires to pray? All right, thank you. Thank you. Let's all go ahead and stand up. We're going to pray this general prayer. But if you believe this in your heart and you say it with your mouth, the Bible says that you are saved. So I'm going to pray and you can repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. You took my sin. You took my guilt. You took my punishment so I can be free. I invite you into my life and ask you to forgive me of my sin, to make my heart clean. I thank you that I am free and forgiven and I choose to live the rest of my life following you. In Jesus' name, amen.